Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti. We're, uh, we're doing that thing that we started uh, with Wild at Heart, uh, where we're trying to encourage guys to read books. Uh, and so the, the thought behind this was um, that we would pick four books a year, right? We're just we're starting small. Not all of our episodes are going to be about books. And so um, just wanted to get you know, a few books under the belt and encourage some guys to read. And so we thought um, that we would go, um, here's, the, here's the pattern for the four books the, of the year. Um, book number one was going to be kind of a guy's book, man book, right? Wild at heart, right? Next book was going to be something on uh, parenting or marriage. Uh, third one was going to be kind of a cultural, um, you know, uh, looking at the world around us and what do we as men need to know. And then the fourth book was going to be kind of a biography, kind of a whatever, just kind of a, your catch-all, you know, thing. So this is the second uh, time that we've gotten together, and this is the book on parenting or marriage. And we pick marriage, and we blame uh, Mike Thornberry <laughs> yep, <that's my laughs> specifically fault. for this particular book because this is a beating of a book, although it's it's a fantastic book. So yeah. we got to put that in there. But we picked um, Timothy Keller's and Kathy Keller. Got to throw that out there. Um, they wrote it together. Um, the meaning of marriage. It says facing the complexities of commitment with the wisdom of God, um, and just right from the beginning, I will say the one thing that struck me is this is a book. Now I, I would not give many marriage books to anybody that I knew that was single. Right. Kind of the, you know, it's like you're, you're dating, you're engaged. It's kind of like you're getting ready for marriage. Right. I would give this book to anybody. I would give this book. Right. Reed's sitting there. He's what, 16 almost. Right. I would give this book to a 16 year old and say, hey, this is what you need to understand about marriage. And you need to grasp this even before you get married. So yeah. I loved, love, love this concept of this particular book. Uh, it was a great read. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going to be a fun discussion. So today we've got um, back with me um, the Bearded Wonders, both of them. Um, <laughs> Mike Thornberry, uh, to my right. I'm just setting this up in case anybody's listening and they want to know That's where we great. are. We don't have a video going. Like, no, yeah, that, exactly. Man. Yeah. Parker did say I need to start doing video, so maybe next year. That would give me a year to get in shape. Exactly. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, and then Gabe Boyd to my left. And I uh, appreciate you guys joining in the conversation and reading the book with me. Yeah, and I, I guess that's my bad for recommending this one. It, yes. And, and I love how you started with the point you give this to anybody who's getting married. Uh, I wish I had read this before I started dating. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- I, I don't know about how you guys were raised, but I didn't have any conversations with my parents on, hey, this is what it means to date somebody. This is what it means to love somebody. This is what it means to marry somebody. So I, I, I tragically screwed all that up in the first half of my life and my marriage, and then I read the book. So I, I would recommend starting first with the book <laughs> yeah, instead yeah. of screwing up a bunch. Let me help yeah. you yeah. avoid yeah. a lot of problems. It's funny. I had conversations with a lot of guys that were like, oh, yeah, I read that, read that book like right before I got married. Ugh. I was like, man, what? I had That's 30, minutes, 30 <laughs> like, minutes of premarital counseling <laughs> from the pastor's wife because the pastor didn't have time the day before we were getting married. Oh, and we're going to get into that. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Well, and we're going to okay. get into that. Okay, so let's, let's start. Here's, here's the, uh, the idea that we have. We release these episodes on Fridays so they don't interfere with our normal Mondays. So this is going to be you know, the Fridays in October. Uh, and we're going to go through um, – there's eight chapters in the book. We're going to go through two chapters each session. So each week will be two chapters of the book. We would – 
uh, highly recommend, right? You go out, grab the book and start reading it along with us um, and, uh, and join kind of in the conversation. So let's, uh, let's dive in and begin uh, with The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, uh, chapters one and two. Um, and um, I, I'll just say, I'll start off with, you know, Keller talks about the secret of marriage and, and just kind of the institution. But the thing that jumped out to me um, in this was actually a comment that he brought out by comedian Chris Rock, who has this statement says, do you want to be single and lonely or married and bored? And that idea is what I see in the culture uh, that the institution of marriage has become devalued. And there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but it's not an aspiration um, or normal or kind of like a, an expectation for everybody anymore. And I think what, what he's trying to do in the, in the book and in this particular chapter is, is to tell us, hey, the institution of marriage isn't the problem. It's the culture around us is the problem. The institution of marriage is still tremendously valuable, not only for individuals, but for the culture at large, right? Um, cultures that value marriage do better as cultures than cultures that devalue marriage. And so he's kind of walking through a number of different things where he gives us this idea, right, that the institution of marriage is still tremendously valued. It's God's design um, that, you know, even before the fall, God designed the institution of marriage um, and uh, it, it still has tremendous value. So where, where do you guys want to start in that conversation? Uh, yeah, I love that he focuses on undoing the world's view of what marriage is. Mm-hmm. And, and even in Maybe the subtext of Chris Rock's statement there is, you know, marriage is supposed to be there to make me happy. Yeah. Uh, like we've traded uh, God's view of marriage for the world's view. And the world's view is, hey, this person here that I'm marrying, your job is now to make me happy for the rest of my life. Because we, we've traded the self-fulfillment ethos for, and he'll get into this le- later, the friendship ethos. You know, the underlying foundation of the marriage should be the friendship between two sinners, loving each other the way Christ loved them. But the world says, nope, this is self-fulfillment, so your spouse is going to make you happy. Right. And it's all about me. It's yeah, not, it's, it's not it's, about me making my spouse happy. Nope. It's about my spouse making me happy. Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, and here's the thing, I, I, this, is, this is legitimate. Um, you know, in, in one of the roles that I play, just kind of dealing with men, I've, I've sat down, uh, and this may seem weird to keep count, but I've literally sat down with 17 guys who have walked away from their marriage, um, had conversations with them before right, the divorce process began and literally had conversations. And, and quite frankly, like all 17 were, she doesn't make me happy anymore. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. and the conversation is like, okay, uh, you know, you listen to the complaints, you go through the whole thing. And then at the end, it's kind of like, okay, what does that have to do with what we were talking about? We were talking about your marriage. Mm-hmm. We weren't talking about, you know, a, a toy that you bought that doesn't make you happy anymore and you want to get a new toy. This is completely different. And he's going to get into that because he's going to get into the whole idea of covenant and how important that is, especially in terms of the idea of sex and sexuality. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's the reason that people are walking away from their marriage is because it doesn't make me happy anymore. Yeah, there, there's a couple of quotes on here that I, I just want to reference. Uh, I, I mean, and he does such a good job of this, of pointing out um, and highlighting at the beginning of the book um, like why he's writing this book, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, because it's it's clearly a pandemic that's going through our culture is devaluing the institution, something that God ordained, something that God set uh, set up for us. Um, and so he just he just mentions some things in here. He says that married persons marry for themselves, not to fulfill responsibilities to God or society. 
Uh, and so that it's no wonder that you've had so many um, counseling sessions with men who uh, are frustrated by their marriage because it's not making them happy. And yep. he even addresses that same, that same thought when he says marriage used to be a public institution for the common good, and now it's a private arrangement for the satisfaction of the individuals. Marriage used to be about us, but now it's about me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I just wrote in my book, like, that's the problem. That, that, that's exactly what we're, what we're learning about here in this book and uh, really trying to redefine what the meaning of marriage is, uh, is that it can't be about, as you said, Mike, uh, my, in, my own individual happiness. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be something bigger uh, or, or else there's, there's nothing that provides me any staying power whenever things don't go my way. Yeah. Or whenever there is some sort of difficulty within my marriage, like, why would I stay if I'm not happy? Like, well, which, there's nothing which, about which this life. Which fits perfectly, if you think about it. The whole reason that we started Training for Manhood and the, the theme that's run through every particular episode is the idea that we as men can't be, shouldn't be, what it means to be a man isn't being self-centered. The idea that, I mean, you know, I started with this stupid, you know, kind of example, and, and I hear about it all the time from, you know, a lot of the younger guys who are listening to it. It's like, you know, hey, I pick up my socks, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> or just, but just kind of the idea is as you walk through life, there's things that you have to do that aren't necessarily even your responsibility, but they just need to be done. And so the, the idea is if, if I'm self-centered and I only do things that gratify me, that please me, that make me happy, I don't think that's a man. And so we've, we've tried to even wrestle with the whole definition of manhood and say, there's a lot of things that we do because they need to be done. There's a lot of things that we do because it's the right thing to do. Um, when I walk through a room and there's a sock on the floor, I pick up the sock. I don't have to sit there and ask, who's this? this? Is this mine? Is it not? Is it my responsibility? So the whole idea of what it means to be a man goes back to his concept that says, what's the idea of marriage? And yeah. if, if we truly are making men that are other-centered willing to do a duty for the betterment, not only of themselves, but of others and the community, then marriage fits perfectly in that particular example. If that's the kind of man you are, then marriage is a, is a great expression of what it means to be a man. Yeah, and, and Keller brings out, maybe, maybe it's more slanted in our culture, in Western culture, that everything's about me. I'm the center of the universe and the world revolves around me. And we contrast that with maybe you know, other cultures where it was more about family and honor. Yeah. In both situations, uh, we've overshifted. In the, you know, in the U.S., we overshift to it's all about me, where maybe in the past, you know, it was all about the family and the honor of the family. Both of them supplant the glorification of God in marriage mm -hmm. versus either the individual's happiness or the honor for the family. So it's like we've got this paradigm where we've shifted wrong on both sides, and God's like, no, I'm in the middle, and you should be looking up, not to your father <laughs> and not to yourself. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the challenge we have in the Western society that, hey, if it's all about my self-realization, I'm never going to be happy. And I'm always going to be unhappy, and I'll have to find a new one, and I'm never going to find the right one. Yeah. Yeah, and he talks about that, even about trying to find the perfect soulmate, yeah, the one. right? It's like, um, what I mean, I, just like as we're talking, I'm thinking about what, a, what an amazing strategy that Satan has for mm. us as men, yeah. but just within our culture uh, at, at large is like the, marriage is one more area that God instituted um, for us and for our good, where Satan has hijacked that through the, the lens of our culture and how we 
people now view what marriage is and what it could be and what it should be. Uh, and, and none of it goes back to the gospel. And, and that's really, that's, that's Tim's whole aim with this book is like, I want to bring this back to uh, the, the one who instituted this gift of marriage to us for our good. And it's through the lens of the gospel and that there's nothing within the gospel that is self-centered. Um, not from not from God's standpoint, certainly not from Jesus's standpoint, but also not for us. Uh, the, the gospel is not something that terminates on us for our uh, happiness, but rather it's something that is gifted to us that we may then go and re-gift it as well. Yeah, which, which is interesting though, because you bring up the gospel. The gospel is not for our happiness, but yet it leads to a happiness right? A joy, a life that has purpose and meaning. And marriage is, is in a sense, kind of similar to that concept. It, marriage is not for our happiness, but yet it leads to the betterment of who we are. In chapter two, he deals with that whole concept of how important marriage is as kind of a sharpening um, of a sword so that it really is yeah. used in the best way. And, and marriage is, is a great tool to help men become better versions of themselves. It, it, just, it just is. It, and we're getting at the crux of my issues early in my marriage uh, already. <laughs> it didn't take long. Story time. Story time. succession. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got married because my wife made me happy. Yes. And I, I said, you can sign up for that job for the rest of your life. But uh, I didn't have gift. an idea. <laughs> I know. It wasn't gift. a great gift. She's so lucky. Oh, uh, that's why I, I wish there were time travel. I would have oh loved to gone back. Right, seeing some of the early I'm dates glad with my video Laura. recording wasn't as effective <laughs> been at that 30 marriage, years ago. That, that would have been that bad. Been uh, and I think the part of the reason my view of marriage was off, and I, and I bought into the world self fulfillment theology, is that I had a I didn't have a good definition of love. Yeah, that though, that's good. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't learn the definition of love until I was in my 30s. You know, and and I've made my boys memorize this. Love is the commitment of my will to the betterment of your need, regardless of the cost to me. I stole that from Tim Kimmel, uh, Grace-Based Marriage. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. So that is just an echo of what Christ has done. So if I go into marriage with that definition of love versus what the world says is love is this feeling that makes you happy and good. Totally different. If you just start with that definition properly understood. Yep. That'll change how you look about relationships yes. because my definition of love now means I'm going to focus on self-denial, echoing what Christ has done for me to love my spouse versus you need, you need to make me feel loved by making me feel good. Yeah. Two different uh, approaches, and, and I did it poorly <laughs> for a long time because I had the wrong definition. Yeah. I anchored my marriage on the wrong concept of love. Yeah. Well, and I think what's so interesting is even as we're sitting here talking, I mean— uh, I don't. How long have you guys been married? Uh, Sixteen years for me. Uh, you're making me do math. 20, that sorry. wasn't part of it. Twenty six for me. Twenty six. Okay, so so a, a pretty decent amount of experience in this room, and I'm just thinking of like a twenty year old listening yeah, yeah. to us right now, and, and nothing we're saying I don't think sounds appealing to that. <laughs> To that young man, I had no concept of this at twenty, <laughs> and, and and so I, I just want to reassure, like I like I'm I, I hear what you're hearing, uh, and and I think that's why there's parts of this book where he speaks directly to uh, to some of these things of like this is why everything's got to be filtered yeah. back through the totally. gospel, totally. right? Is that okay, what, what, nothing about that definition that you just gave, Mike? Yeah, sounds like in super thrilling to me because it doesn't make me happy all the time. Uh, and so he, he talks some about this love economics of like, we're only, we only have the capacity to give away what we've been given. 
uh, if you ask me for a dollar and no one's given me a dollar or I haven't worked and earned a dollar, then I can't give you a dollar. Uh, And it's the same way with grace or with love, uh, the sacrificial love that we're talking about. Like, I can't possibly give that away until I fully understand it, until until I've received it or been gifted it. uh, And that only comes through Jesus. And so that then just goes back to the gospel of like, man— uh, if if you want to get a clear picture of what what marriage can be, uh, and what love is actually, mm. uh, it's seen through the lens of the gospel. Yeah. And so it, before before you start talking about getting married, you better start talking more about the gospel and getting that right. Yeah. Uh, before you even try to dive and, into any of these other okay, things. Okay, and that's that is the foundation, right? Before you yeah. build the house, make sure your foundation is set. So before you understand, and I think that's why he's writing the the meaning of marriage, marriage as an institution doesn't make sense and doesn't work if people are self-absorbed. It, it, it just isn't going to. Uh, can, can it? Uh, and the answer is in certain circumstances. If people, miserably. Right, miserably, yeah. if people just want to stay married. But in an, in an, uh, in, with individuals who are Christ-centered and who are other-centered, marriage becomes a viable option of, oh, well, that makes sense now. Um, I can I can love somebody else. I can give that love that God has given me to somebody else, uh, and I can make that commitment. And then what God does is He gives you something within that particular relationship, uh, the ability to right have sex, procreate, have a family, right, and do something with that particular institution. That done outside of it may seem like oh I have access to those things as well. But the problem with that is sure you have access to those things, but you can't keep them. That, that becomes something where, right, you have the, you know, fire in the fireplace is great. Fire outside the fireplace destroys the home. That's the problem. And I think that's what he's getting to is this idea of, hey, maybe marriage doesn't sound great to you. But if you want to have sex, if you want to have children, <laughs> God's given you a place to do those things where it's, um, it's given to you in such a way that it's going to be beneficial for everybody. Can you access those things without the institution of marriage? And the answer is yes, but it's going to come with damage. So it's, it's you know, the same thing, you know, with, with, with everything else, um, you know, put in their proper perspective. This thing is, is, you know, useful and valuable, taken out of its proper perspective, which God has designed. This thing can be super dangerous. And he's going to get to that particular point in his book later in some chapters. So super important. I, I, w- I will say chapter two, I thought he kind of makes an argument that kind of goes to what you were saying though, too, is as a young man, do you think of marriage as valuable? And it's almost like, you know, you played baseball, did a lot of coaching in baseball. Yeah. The whole idea of if a kid ha- can't hit a curveball, right? And I know that, right? I'm just telling the pitcher, you know, just throw curves to him the whole time. He's just, he's not right. So what's that kid going to do? He's going to go in the, you know, the cage and you're just going to sit there and throw a, a thousand curveballs at him and he's going to learn how to hit him. Now, does that sound like fun? And the answer is no. Yeah. But if he wants to get on base during a game, he has to do that work beforehand. And so yeah. in a sense, it makes him better so that he can play the game that he loves. Well, the idea is if you want to be successful in life and you want to be a man with the things that are valuable, right? Marriage is that thing that is going to get you there. It's going to help you become a better version of who you are. Yeah, that's, that's not right. the whole reason, but it's it's still a it's a really valuable argument I think that's being made. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the title of the chapter, right? Yep. Is the power of the marriage, power of marriage is that it while while on the onset all it of those things hard work doesn't <laughs> sound like a lot of fun, yeah. uh, but there is there is a result, there is something that comes from that work that is put in and that is the power of marriage is that there is this sanctifying uh, work that happens in 
in you uh, as you start to work through some of these things, specifically for this case, is, uh, is self-centeredness. As we start to take uh, a look at the root issue of uh, most of our relationship uh, woes is going to be our own selfishness. Amen. Uh, and as soon as we get out of our own way, then we start to uh, access the power that uh, real biblical relationships have. Yeah. And, and that's the power there in, in uh, self-denial and helping your spouse and serving your spouse gets at a great trap that I ran into is I wasn't trying to help my spouse for a long time. I was trying to fix her. And here's my list of all the things you're doing wrong. Yeah, big difference. And, and uh, that, was a, that was a frustrating eye-opener because here's God with a list that, you, you know, is so long on me. Over and over again, the same mistakes, Mike. You, you just keep screwing it up. And I'm, and I'm following this pattern with, with my wife saying, hey, if you would just do X, Y, and Z. And God's like, you totally missed it. You totally missed it. Your point here is to love her the way I've loved you, which means you focus on loving her, not focus on fixing her. And, uh, you know, you'll get into this problem, and I know you've seen it when you've counseled men in marriages, and I've seen it as well. you got both these spouses at loggerheads on, mm-hmm. you know, but he does this, but she does that. And, and we say, hey, why don't you focus just on loving them the way Christ has loved you? And they're like, well, who should start first? Yeah. Well, whichever one of you is an adult. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. both of you start. And uh, he, he's going to get to that because yeah, he's he going to say the, the only person you can control yeah. is you. Yeah. So you're right. you can't change her. She can't change you. So who, who's going to be responsible? Well, just be responsible for yourself. That's that. the beauty of the obedience mm. of loving somebody else yep. versus being worried about the outcome of the love. Many times if I'm doing things wrong, it's because I'm not focused on the obedience. I'm focused on the desired outcome I want for yep. me. Yep. Mm. And marriage is this beautiful contract where he says, Michael, die to yourself and love her in a way that she sees Christ. I've never asked you to fix her. In Ephesians 5, that anchors a lot of this. Nowhere there does it say, Michael, fix your wife. No. And if I just focused on the obedience of, hey, go love her in a manner that glorifies me and shows her Jesus, then I'm getting joy from doing what the Father's asked me to do, and I have no responsibility for the outcome. Which, which takes it back to Gabe's concept of the gospel, right? When, you know, uh, you know, Romans 5, when Christ loved us, right, while we were still sinners, but then yet through the process, we're changed into the image of Christ, right? So it's, it's not that we are changed into the image of Christ, and then Christ says, now I love you. It says, I loved you while you were yet sinners, but yet when we understand that, right, then that walk of obedience changes us into the image. And so marriage has that same concept. When I choose to love my spouse, regardless of who they are, what they're doing, it doesn't matter. I choose to love my spouse. Right? Then what happens is that spouse is often changed into the image of something that you can love. Yeah, because they respond to that, and it's it's a it's a beautiful picture, right, of what God has put down as His relationship with us is our relationship with our wife. That's it. It works the same way. Yeah. So, anything else? Chapters one and two. Hey, I, I think the only thing it, to Mike's point, he he says in this uh, in his book here, Tim does. He says, "Seek to serve one another rather than to be happy, mm-hmm. and you will find a new and deeper happiness," uh, which sounds so ridiculous, but uh, but. That that's so true. Yeah. Um, he also says that if you seek happiness more than you seek me, that's God, you will have neither. Uh, if you seek to serve me more than serve happiness, you will have both. Amen. Uh, and I thought, man, that's that's just a great way to outline um, 
kind of the dichotomy of like, as soon as we stop looking at the end result being for our good uh, and for God's glory, uh, then we, we start to reap benefits from that as a byproduct. And we don't keep score. Yeah. Yep. We, yep. we, we drop the score sheet and we're just there enjoying the joy and the pleasure of loving the way Christ has loved us. Yep. And that'll get you through a trial. First Corinthians 13, mm-hmm. right? You don't keep records of wrongs. Yep. Just good stuff. Oh, good. Well, there's chapters one and two. We'll be back next week with chapters three and four. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.